Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That is Luke chapter 24, verse 44, and broadcasting out of the great state of Texas. Texas. Welcome to another edition of Bridge Radio. I'm your host, Julio Mad Rodriguez, and with me as always is Mr. A.W. Hello, everybody. How we doing? And the boss himself, Mr. Steve Den Hartog. Good afternoon, everybody. And we have an excellent program for you. And the verse just read, Jesus claims that everything in the Old Testament is written about him. Therefore, the Old Testament can be viewed as a map with many roads and signs that point to a final point of destination, which is the redemptive person and work of Jesus Christ. Even Charles Spurgeon said that just as every road in England leads to London, so every text in scripture contains a path to Christ. But just like anyone who reads a map, there is always a possibility of going down the wrong road or missing an important sign. And uh, on today's program, we will be discussing how to read our road map correctly. That is the Old Testament with a first-time guess. But before we jump into uh, the interview, how is everybody doing today? I'm doing well. Can't complain. Yeah. Did uh, I, I just want to uh, just point everybody back to our episode number 100. This is 101. And I really hope everybody enjoyed the D.A. Carson episode, yeah. just like we did doing the interview. Yeah, that was really good. It was just very good. Very just, he's just, he's a, he's just a mind. He's a brain. Yeah. He is a brain. A brain. I, so. I, I will always remember in that episode when he said, stick it in your pipe and smoke it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, I got That's cut, so good. I got cut off with that. <laughs> I did. He's such like a, not stern individual, but very serious. And then he just throws that one in the I think if in, we knew him conversation. really well, I'm sure he would be like super hilarious. I think he's got a good sense it's of like humor. He yeah. does. Yeah. He does. Steve was saying that you could kind of see that through sometimes in his lectures, but a great interview and I, I just want to point everyone to that one very important conversation. Uh, again, we have 100 episodes ready for you to listen uh, to. Everything from soteriology to eschatology to uh, just Christian faith, life, and practice. So mm. please subscribe to Bridge Radio. As I always say here on the program, share it with your uh, cats and dogs, your mother, your, uh, your daddy, your brothers and sisters. Yes. So we want everybody to Did you say dogs, too? Dogs, too. Okay. I think, I think dogs, dogs can be redeemed. I don't yeah. want cats. Yeah, no, cats, cats can't be redeemed. That's terrible. Not at all. Not at all. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, another quick announcement before we jump into the interview. Uh, the Dr. Michael Whitmer conference that we had, it was excellent. The uh, video and audio will be available on the Bridge app, so please go download that. That conference was awesome. Yeah. It was amazing. It was, I really want to tell everybody to go Listen to that. Please yeah. take some time. Yeah, check it out. We we should even get the uh, outlines up. We'll figure out a we way will. to get the outlines we up. We will. Oh, yeah. Because that, that was uh, just very engaging. Everybody, I don't think there was hardly anybody that left early. Everybody no. just stayed through the to the end. Yes. Yeah. I it, showed up late. You did. <laughs> Lazy. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Are we, uh, are we ready for the interview? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. The individual who's going to be helping us look at our roadmap of the Old Testament, Dr. Dennis Johnson is a professor emeritus of practical theology at Westminster Seminary, California. He is also an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church in America, 
author of Triumph of the Lamb, among other books and commentaries, and a contributor to numerous books and theological journals. He is the author of the book that we are going to be discussing today, Walking with Jesus Through His Word, Discovering Christ in All the Scriptures. Thank you, Dr. Johnson, for joining us today. Well, thank you for the invitation to, uh, to be part of this conversation. Yeah, it's really, we're really happy to have you here with us, Dr. Johnson. So not long ago, there was a well-known pastor who said that Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch their Christian faith from the Jewish scriptures. And why, Dr. Johnson, might you think that it would be dangerous to unhitch our faith from the Jewish scriptures? Well, the first thing that strikes me uh, about that statement from that pastor is that he's assuming that the Jewish scriptures are not our scriptures, mm-hmm. that is, the scriptures that belong to us who follow Jesus Christ, whereas uh, if we unhitch our faith from the Jewish scriptures, we have to unhitch our faith from the Apostle Paul, because he says in 1 Corinthians 10 that the events that happened to the Exodus people and the wilderness people were written down for us, mm. on whom the ends of the ages have come. Sure. And, of course, all over in the New Testament, there are quotations from the Old Testament, as we call it, from the Jewish scriptures that uh, mark how they're fulfilled in Christ. In fact, Hebrews, uh, which is a book I, I love to read and teach on, Hebrews emphasizes that God has spoken something new for us in while well, he spoke to prophets through the to the fathers, through the prophets in the Old Testament. He's spoken now in these last days to us and his son. And at the same time, Hebrews will quote Old Testament texts and says now, and he will say then, the Holy Spirit is actually saying that to us today. So uh, throughout the New Testament, uh, the New Testament writers are quoting those ancient scriptures that God gave to Israel and saying, these are our scriptures too. Um, So if we unhitch our faith from that, we're we're not going to be able to understand really very much in the New Testament. And we're not going to have very much rootage uh, for the key themes that the New Testament presents, like atonement. Gotcha. um, And, yeah, many, many more things. Yeah. Can can you give some examples of just the consequences? Like what 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 follows if we do unhitch the Old Testament? What what are some maybe some results? If you could give us some examples. Well, okay. Uh, Think of the title Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the he- the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word that we now bring across into English as Messiah. That was anointed, anointed particularly, actually some prophets, many priests, and but particularly the kings were anointed in the Old Testament. That is, they were anointed with oil, symbolizing that they needed God's Holy Spirit to be able to fight for God's people and mm. to rule God's people with justice. Mm. So if we don't have that background, then we don't really understand what the New Testament writers are saying when they confess that Jesus is the Christ. Okay. Now, they think of you know Matthew 16, when, when Jesus asks for all the opinions uh, on the street about who he is, and then he says to his disciples, to his apostles, now who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks for them all, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, the Son Mm. of the living God. Sure. And actually even that second part, the Son of the living God, refers not only to the fact that Jesus is eternally the divine Son, 
But it's also an echo from Psalm 2, for example, that Jesus is the son descended from David, whom God now acknowledges as the special son. So that would be one one example, sure. at least. Um, uh, oh, wow. You know, again, I mentioned Hebrews. How do we make sense of the yeah. letter to no. the Hebrews mm. unless we understand the Old Testament sacrificial system, the requirements that priests... Uh, are not self-appointed, but they have to be appointed by God. That's mm-hmm. why the family of Aaron had to have uh, that credentials by way of genealogy. And, and then you get Psalm 110, which is, by the way, in the Old Testament. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. Psalm 110 says, now there's a new priest coming, and he is seated at God's right hand, and he's a king. He's clearly a king because he has a scepter. He's also the priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And of course, that's really the central Bible text for the whole letter to the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, here is a king and a priest. Kings rule and and defend uh, God's people. Priests intercede and offer sacrifice to bring people close to God. Here is a king and a priest in one person, and it's mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I'm I'm reminded um, of the the second century pastor turned heretic Marcion, hmm. who decided to un, unhitch his oh, faith yeah. from the Jewish scriptures, hmm. and he he had to eliminate Matthew, Mark, and John, edit Luke, hmm. and then huh. drop Acts out to get, uh, out of his New Testament, and certainly he didn't want Hebrews in there anyway, hmm. yeah. because. Huh. Uh, he wasn't paying very close attention if he let Luke in either, but <laughs> um, or Paul, because he had a bunch of the letters of Paul. But you know, you, you just we drain the New Testament of its content if we don't see how God had been preparing for the coming of Christ through all those centuries and through those thirty-nine books yeah. of what we call the Old Testament now. So it's really foundational for us to make any sense of the New Testament. We need to have the Old Testament. It's probably a poor analogy, but I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of uh, really any academic pursuit. You, you know, if you if you become a surgeon, you don't just start reading manuals on surgery, right? Mm-hmm. You have to do all of the prep work mm-hmm. before that, the <laughs> sure, anatomy, right. you know, everything right. that builds up to that, so that you know once you get to the point of opening up somebody's body, you yeah. know what you're doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think maybe there might be uh, something said, and I would like to get your thoughts on this, is is a lot of Christians today don't read their Old Testament. There might be a more of a heavy emphasis on reading the New Testament. Not that that's bad, but I think it's a an ignorance of maybe the Old Testament. I don't know if there's something to be said there, Dr. Johnson. Well, yeah, I mean, it... it we we feel like the new testament well we feel like the new testament is easier to understand and in some ways it is mm-hmm. uh, partly we can understand it because we uh, have absorbed somehow or other through preaching or teaching a lot of old testament categories anyway but then when we turn to the old testament there's some hard stuff in there and it does take some effort to get through uh, to to really grasp what's going on there. What, mm-hmm. What's the point of the genealogies? What's the point of the elaborate chapter after chapter description of the tabernacle and then right. later on in Kings of the Temple? What's all that about? We wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, usually we're not quite so, sh- so ready to say, oh, we're going to throw Psalms out. Uh, 
because the Psalms speak to us, but the Psalms speak of Jesus too, and the mm. tabernacle does, and the temple does, and the genealogies count because God had made a promise all the way back in Genesis 3 that an offspring of the woman would come who would crush Satan's head, mm -hmm. even as he himself, the offspring of the woman, would be wounded. So that promise right after sin enters human experience um, with Adam and Eve's fall, that promise really is what drives the whole focus on father and son and father and son down through the generations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I, 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 I just don't understand how somebody like uh, the, this well-known pastor can unhitch uh, the Old Testament on knowing that his father, I mean, I have respect for his father. He's, uh, I've listened to him a lot, but, um, you know, Julio just finished up uh, Ecclesiastes, like all those goodness that we get yeah. from those Old Testament books, like mm -hmm. just to tell somebody to unhitch himself from just all the books of the Old Testaments and all the truth and goodness that are in there, uh, I think is very dangerous. I think Ecclesiastes is so essential for us to really understand the good news yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. To not have that yeah. would be a tragedy. Uh, yeah. yeah. A big yeah. tragedy for yeah. sure. Yeah, we mentioned in Charles Bridges' commentary, he called Ecclesiastes the seed of the gospel. And I think what he was trying to get there is, you know, you really have to recognize that everything's vanity yeah. outside, you know, if you don't have God. Right. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Johnson, what was Jesus' perception of the Old Testament, and, and, and how do we know that? Well, he viewed it as the very Word of God and as the God-given testimony to the the mission that he was to accomplish as the Redeemer. And we know that, I and mean, we can see that just in the way in the Gospels we hear Jesus using the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. um, the temptation accounts in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, mm -hmm. whenever Satan comes at Jesus with a very plausible temptation. Uh, Jesus is in the wilderness. Jesus is hungry. We hear there in the way the Gospels writers set it up that this is a kind of reminder of Israel in the wilderness and threatened by hunger. And Satan says, you know, you need to eat. And um, if you're really the son of God, uh, you can command stones to be bread or, or uh, you know, I'll give you the kingdoms. That's, mm. that's the, the ultimate one because Satan is alluding there to Psalm 2 where the Lord says to his son, the Messianic king, I will ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Satan says, I'll give you the kingdom, so all you have to do is worship me. Mm -hmm. Every time Jesus answers, it is written. Mm -hmm. And that that's not just a fact that, oh, I read this someplace. That is, this is the very word of God. This settles the question. Yeah. There is once once we've heard God speak once once my father has spoken in Scripture, um, that's that settles it. Uh, I'm not going to use my messianic power to feed my own appetite. I'm mm. not going to worship you uh, because it's written. I mean, later on in in Jesus' ministry, uh, at a certain point, he quotes a psalm, which is not one of the really famous ones, but then he simply comments on it. This is, I think, in John 10. Um, Scripture cannot be broken. Hmm. Scripture yeah. cannot be broken, right? He comes in, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. He says, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all over. He, yeah, it is. Um, 
we may be going to be talking about Luke 24, which is an amazing chapter, right. but it, it's not brand new that after his resurrection, he starts talking about how the Old Testament is fulfilled in him and in his work. All the way back in John 5, and he's not talking to friends there. He's not talking to his disciples. He's talking to his highly theologically educated opponents <laughs> who knew the Bible, yeah, yeah, who yeah. knew Scripture, and he said, if you would listen to Scripture, mm -hmm. you would believe me. In yes. fact, he said, Moses, Moses is testifying against you because if you believed Moses' writings, you would believe me for he wrote about me. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and I think... So, uh, I mean, that's just a, 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 an example Um and, you know, we could point to many more. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. I was just looking at uh, uh, Dr. Johnson on, on John 5.39, and, and it says, You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal light, uh, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me. And I, every time I read that, I was just yeah. like, the, the, the Pharisees, yeah. that they thought that they knew everything about the word and then jesus is coming and, yeah and, and like uh, they got the word right in front of them yeah they yeah, got seriously. the way exactly yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I, yeah exactly and, and dr johnson i, I kind of want you to talk about a little bit about how audacious that claim is i mean i really try to put myself in the position of someone looking at jesus he's a man he's claiming to be the son of god and then he said oh look at all these scriptures guess what they all point to this guy right here. Yeah. I mean, you would be like, this guy's out of his mind. Like, and just well, to yes. just talk a little bit about that because I think that's really important for the conversation today. Well, it, I mean, it is. It's it's uh, it, yeah, it, it's absolutely astonishing um, that he would make a claim like that. Um, it you know either either he is out of his mind, yeah, uh, or he is. A, astonishingly arrogant mm -hmm. uh, or or else he's the unique human being in the whole history of the human race yeah. Um, yeah. who is both ob obviously completely human mm -hmm. I mean he can fall asleep in a fishing boat and and the storm doesn't wake him he's so, so exhausted he's so obviously human not sinful but fully weak like humans are weak and yet he makes these amazing claims yeah. that all scripture is about him mm -hmm. uh, but that's just of a piece with how jesus talks yeah. um i mean he uh, um I'm, I'm getting to do a little greek tutoring with my grandson in my retirement nice. and we came to we came to john 14 6 this morning because uh, it has the verb i am in it and, mm -hmm. and we're, he's having a i am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm. Yep. There's only one way to the Father. Yeah. Right? And that's consistent with what Jesus said. That's John 14. It's consistent with what he says in Matthew 11. Mm. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. There's yeah. only one way. Yeah. It, you know, so he said a lot of things that for a mere human being would suggest insanity yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than suggest insanity yeah, yeah. but yeah he you know we we have this mystery of who he is he can read hearts he performs miracles and he says 
to his, his critics. Uh, you know, I mean, don't believe my testimony by myself, but you have to explain these miracles. Yeah. Because they are the Father's testimony that he really sent me, and I really am who I claim to be. Yeah. yeah. Amen. He was either a liar, a lunatic, a madman, or he was the Son of God, like C.S. Lewis says. Right. And, and he's telling <laughs> right, the truth. Right, exactly. Yeah. Very uh, true. Dr. Johnson, uh, we, we were just talking uh, about Luke 24. Uh, can you unpack Luke 24, 25 to 27, 44, Moses, prophets, Psalms, and all the scriptures who who was Jesus referring to in, in, uh, in Luke? Yes. Oh, what, what an amazing experience those guys had. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. first resurrection, resurrection Sunday, you know, yeah. the two on the road to Emmaus, when he says to them, you're foolish and slow of heart to believe the prophets. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. you know that it was necessary for the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer these things and then enter into his glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're heartbroken. Their hopes are dashed. Even the report of the women that angels have announced that Jesus is alive, that has brought them no comfort. Um, they don't know who Jesus is. We're, we readers know <laughs> who's right. walking with them, but they don't. Yeah. And so he, you know, they, as they pour out their heartbreak, then he just says, uh, you know, your problem is, you don't believe yeah. the Bible. You don't believe the scriptures. Uh, and then he starts with Moses and all the prophets, and he explains the things concerning himself. And then, of course, later on in the chapter, after he makes himself known as he breaks bread over supper with them in Emmaus, they hustle back to Jerusalem, and there they meet the circle of the apostles, and there have been more appearances of Jesus. And Jesus appears to them again, and then he takes Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, as Luke says, and even impacts even more, not only that he would suffer death as he did, uh, but particularly what the glories would be that he would enter into, that he'd be raised, that he would be implied ascended to heaven, that he would give the Holy Spirit repentance and uh, in his name preach to all the nations. Hmm. Uh, all that, he says, is in the scriptures. And, and it's interesting. Luke first says Moses and the prophets. That's in the Emmaus encounter. Uh, and then he says, Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Mm. Um, and the way he that's broken down, it's, it's pretty evident that uh, what's referred to is the canon of the Hebrew scriptures, we call the Old Testament, as it is categorized in the Hebrew original, which is Moses, the law of Moses, the five books, the Pentateuch, which we have at the beginning of our Bibles. Mm-hmm. But then the prophets, in in the Jewish mind, the prophets are the former prophets, which we think of as historical books, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings. And then the latter prophets, which are the great writing prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the minor prophets. Hmm. And then there's a third category. So there's law of prophets, and that's in our minds, history and prophecy. And then there's a third category in the Hebrew canon called the writings. Mm-hmm. And the lead book in the writings, lo and behold, is the Psalms. Mm-hmm. So in effect, he's saying, and he's, so he's not just talking about the book of Psalms, but he's talking about that group of writings that Psalms leads. It has the wisdom literature in it, and it has some some other, uh, some of the historical narrative as well that, that would be categorized as writing. In other words, 
you know, that's Luke's way of saying what we would say today with our with our order of the the books, Genesis to Malachi, hmm, Genesis nice. to Malachi. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the whole scriptures, and he's opening up these things to them uh, about his suffering, his resurrection, his ascension, his giving of the Spirit, the preaching of the gospel to all the nations. Um, and you know, this is remember we remember that Luke of the four gospel writers is the only one who writes another book. That's the book of Acts, mm-hmm. and this Luke twenty four comes right at the hinge end of book one beginning you know just on the verge of book two and and i think what luke is doing in recording the eyewitness testimony from that first resurrection day and those narrative those those bible studies that jesus conducted (laughs) is he's helping us to understand um, what we're going to see what we're going to hear in the book of acts Hmm. okay how uh, the apostles who were cringing in fear and of all people, Simon Peter, who denied three times that he even knew Jesus, suddenly now in Acts 1, they're hopeful and they're expecting the Spirit. And in Acts 2, Peter's preaching boldly. And what is he doing? He's quoting the Old Testament scriptures. Yeah. yeah. Right? He's quoting Joel 2, and he's quoting Psalm 16, and he's quoting Psalm 110. Hmm. Um, so. Yes. Yeah. It's what all. A, it's, all text. it's all Old Testament. It's all Old Testament. All Old Testament. And, uh, you brought. Right, you brought right. up Acts and, and and everything that we see. Even Paul as he's going on his mission and missionary journey, he's spreading the gospel, but also pointing back to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Definitely. I think it's interesting, too, that uh, he says, you are witnesses of these things. You know, it's to that end so that you guys will be witnesses of these things that you have seen. You know, it's not just for right. your personal edification, but it's for for you and mm-hmm. for the rest of the world. We're, we're, we're benefiting from, from what they saw, yeah. the fulfillment of what they saw in Christ. Exactly. Yeah, very definitely. Can you talk? And, and Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just well. Gonna, I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah. I get all excited about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, go ahead. Um, that that is their distinctive job description as apostles mm, yeah. to be to be eyewitnesses to testify to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that mm. He's alive, that He's ruling, and you see that in the Book of Acts. You see that in Acts one, even before the Holy Spirit comes, Peter. Reading scripture now the way Jesus had taught them to read Old Testament scripture, Peter says, you know, there has to be somebody to take Judas's place because, Hmm. and then he quotes several Psalms, Hmm. and the number has to be complete. There have to be 12. Hmm. Uh, Why? Because 12 apostles correspond to the 12 heads of the tribes of Israel. Hmm. And, and, And then from, and so that he can be a witness along with us, the other 11, to the resurrection. So he has to be somebody who's walked with Jesus throughout Jesus' ministry, and then he's seen Jesus after Jesus' resurrection. And, sure. and that is for us. It's for our sake. Just, yeah. so, just so I can, I think I'm remembering this, Chris, is Matthias, right? That the 12th, they get replaced? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthias, yeah. Yeah, right? Is that correct, doctor? Uh, say that again. Uh, the, t- uh, the one who replaced Judas Iscariot was Matthias? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. 
I was just thinking that I just wanted to make sure if you know if if our listeners were wondering who the twelfth was, who the twelfth replacement was. Could you talk to a little bit, Doctor Johnson, in verse forty-five of that passage? Luke says, then he opened their minds, that is, Jesus opened their minds, yeah. uh, so they could understand the scriptures. And uh, just talk a little bit about that, about how important <laughs> that was for them, obviously, but, yeah. it, but for us as well. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting, because uh, earlier in that chapter, when the two who had reached Emmaus thought back about the road, he said, our hearts burned within us. They said, our hearts burned within us when he opened the scriptures to us. Hmm. And then at the end, as you said, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So oh. uh, I think those two uh, two mentions of opening really show us how uh, what we need to be able to see Christ in the, in the scriptures. Hmm. We need the explanation of how these scriptures to come to fulfillment in Christ, but we need more than an explanation. We need really the Holy Spirit's work yeah. to to illumine, to give light to our minds, because uh, otherwise we're going to be <laughs> slow of heart yeah. to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be like very knowledgeable people, like Jesus critics in John five, but not really see Him, even even if it's explained to us. Yeah. So we need, and and I, I think that's very deliberate that Luke is saying he he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Just the way in his volume two in Acts, he will say when Paul and Silas get to Philippi, hmm. uh, the Lord opened Lydia's heart. Oh yeah. Yep. To receive the gospel. Hmm. Uh, th- that's his way of talking about this mysterious work of the Holy Spirit to 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 give us the eyes of our hearts to see, which never saw before. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's so, important yeah. to note that the New Testament wasn't completely written then. So mm. she, the Old Testament scriptures would have been used to teach her. So you kind of have oh, that, that sure. same yeah. understanding of the gospel. And then you have in Timothy, too, as well, where it says the gospel is able to make you, I mean, the, the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation in Christ. Mm. Right. That, that as well. You have the old, Timothy had access to the, yeah. the Old Testament. Yeah, and Acts exactly. And Acts, right. they said that she was a God fearer um, mm-hmm. before she was, and, and we see that with Peter earlier. You were just talking about Peter, and and Jesus asking the questions, "Why do you know? Well, how do you know that I am the the Son of Man? You know, um, a God." And and Peter and Jesus told him that you know it was not I. God opened up your. Yeah. Uh, your eyes yeah. to, to know that who I am, and I'm just paraphrasing, uh, par- paraphrasing that, and and I, I don't know why we miss those little small things that mm-hmm. you just brought up. That it's God who's opening up the the heart, the mind to the truth, and and it's not yes. us, right? Because <laughs> if it wasn't for Him, we would be bl- blind, lost, and couldn't see, and you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah. on an ongoing, not only initially to understand the gospel, but on an ongoing basis that, yeah. as we read God's word to yes. just take that moment beforehand mm. to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see what he yes. wants us to see. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's striking that uh, as Paul writes to the church, the Christians in Ephesus uh, for believers, and he mm. starts out with that amazing on run on sentence about all of our blessings in Christ. Mm. And he says, then in the light of all that, when I pray for you, I pray that God will give you the Spirit who has given revelation, that's the Holy Spirit who's breathed out the Scriptures, 
to bring so that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened so you'll know all that's been given to you so he's talking to believers but he says i know we still believers we who belong to christ who's who's you know god took out of us our dead heart of stone and he put into us a heart of flesh we still need to have god shine Hmm. his light amen on the eyes of our hearts so we can see all that he's given to us yeah 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 just on a note, because I, I think this is important, it just hit me right now. Even in Romans, you have uh, the opening of Romans. Paul says that you know he's a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and then according to the spirit of holiness. So then you know you have there Paul appealing to the Old Testament, talking about God promised right. the gospel. Um, right. the, gospel, Amazing. the gospel of God. Of the yeah. gospel of God, God. not of man. Right. <laughs> yes, of oh God. Right. And right. I find right. that interesting because... Yeah. Right. And and at the end, in chapter 16, with his final praise doxology, he comes back to that theme that the gospel was already revealed in the Old Testament scriptures. Wow. So in 16... That's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's amazing when we just start talking through this. It's exciting. It, how exciting it yeah, is. It is. Yeah. Dr. Johnson, can you talk about some of the other ways that Christ is foreshadowed in the Old Testament? Well, um, yeah, of course, we have many spoken prophecies Mm -hmm. that, you know, are announcements waiting our appetite. Uh, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant of the Lord, uh, which, by the way, Jesus quoted at the Last Supper with his disciples. We read in Luke 22, Mm -hmm. Scripture must be fulfilled in me. He was numbered with the transgressors. But obviously, Isaiah 53, we hear many times echoes or quotations. Uh, The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts is just happens <laughs> to be reading Isaiah 53 when Philip meets him. <laughs> just so and he doesn't, yeah, under, just he doesn't understand it. <laughs> Philip says, do you get, you get it, right? You, you understand what you're reading? Mm. He doesn't. I need somebody to guide me. Right. And Luke just quietly records, and Philip began right there, and he told him the good news about Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Isaiah 53 is very prominent in First Peter hmm. as well. Um, so there's spoken words. But what's intriguing, and it's because the God of Scripture is so sovereign over history, he can not only speak words of announcement that he will fulfill centuries later, Mm -hmm. but he can actually orchestrate events and establish institutions or ordain individuals and embed them in the real-life experience of Israel— and then, and they become previews hmm. of Christ hmm. because God is the can, can control history too. Hmm. So, um, you know, Jesus is talking to uh, a Jewish scholar, Nicodemus, a representative of the Sanhedrin, um, <laughs> and in in John three, and he says, "As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up." Hmm. Wow. Now, if we did not have, if we had unhitched ourselves from Numbers, right. <laughs> from the book of Numbers, from Moses, that would have been the strangest been okay. statement ever. Yeah. yeah. But, but because we aren't unhitched, because those scriptures are written for us, we can go back and find Israel in their rebellion, being dying from snake bites because of their rebellion, mm. and God 
ordains that a bronze snake be put, a bronze serpent, a statue be put on a pole. And people who look to that believing that if they look at that thing, which is really a, a visible representation of what their sin is doing to them. Huh. Uh, but if they look in faith and trust the word of God, they'll be healed. And they are. Huh. And uh, th- what an amazing preview in uh, you know foreshadow embedded in real life history uh, that Jesus says that was a preview of me hmm. and of my cross. Hmm. Um, obviously, many hmm. times uh, in the New Testament, no, I'm I, I'm thinking a lot in terms of John's hmm. gospel, but it's all over. But uh, Jesus says, "I'm the bread of life." Hmm. After he's fed five thousand men plus women and children in the wilderness, hmm. and everybody gets it that he's alluding to the manna in the old testament in the wilderness and and they say yeah well moses gave us manna what are you going to do they forget that they just got fed (laughs) but he's the bread of life that the father gives that uh satisfies our spiritual hunger so we'll never be hungry again he's the bread of life (laughs) um so that whole giving of manna in the wilderness uh, the Passover institution, really the whole system of sacrifices, but think of Passover lamb uh, who dies in the place of Israel's firstborn and its blood is smeared on the on the doorposts and death passes over the Israelite households and yeah. God sets them free the next day. Hmm. And, and, you know, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5, Jesus is our Passover lamb. Hmm. Yeah. His blood has kept, spared us from the death we deserve hmm. uh and so we're now to live pure lives hmm. uh, as israel was to eat unleavened bread for the next week hmm. um so yeah wow yeah there's all so over many. the place so these yeah. would these be considered what are commonly referred to as types pointing to christ yes i think so i think so down through the history of the church students of scripture have called them types from the greek word tupas Okay. Uh, from which we get typewriter, actually. Hmm. And it, it means a pattern, uh, a pattern that got embedded in the lives of Israel in the Old Testament that would then be filled out and completed in Christ. And we were following, really, the lead of the New Testament writers because uh, Paul calls Adam a type of Christ, hmm. Romans 5. Sure. Now, we might think, wait a minute, Adam disobeyed, and that's why we're in the mess we're in. Yes, that's true. And, and that's one thing about a type. A type always falls short, and sometimes it's almost the negative image of the beauty of Jesus. Mm. But Paul says the principle is Adam made a decision. This is uh, Romans five twelve to the end of the chapter. Adam made a decision, and his decision affected everybody that he acted for. He was representing us. And it was a horrible decision. By one man's trespass, we are all constituted sinners. Sure. But the principle of one authorized to act for many is the principle that got embedded at the beginning of history. And then we have another Adam, a second Adam, an obedient Adam. And by his righteousness, many, all who are in him, all who are trusting in him, are constituted righteous. Mm-hmm. So that's Paul's language that we're picking up. And he says pretty much the same thing, a uh, little different terminology, but it has type in it mm-hmm. uh, in 1 Corinthians 10 when he says what happened to Israel when God provided 
water for them in the wilderness and bread for them in the wilderness and rescued them through the water of the Red Sea. Mm. That all happened to them by way of type Mm. and were written for us on whom the ends of the ages have come because their experience of rescue and God's provision is a preview of what we now experience in Christ Mm. in in obviously a fuller, richer way. Uh, than they did right Right. amen right so yeah that's a type it's a person sometimes like adam uh or an office i would say prophet priest and king those offices that god gave to israel uh were types typically um and the people that filled them did some some did it well and some did it very poorly um but they were previews of what christ would do perfectly Mm-hmm. Uh, institutions like the temple, the tabernacle, and the sacrificial system. Mm-hmm. And then an event like uh, the raising up of the bronze serpent in the wilderness. Okay. Uh, or even the Exodus as a whole is kind of the New Testament treats as a kind of a preview of our rescue from slavery and death right, right. through the work of Christ. Yeah. Would you say that the uh, ark could be another type pointing to Christ? The ark. The ark. Uh, Noah's no, Ark? Yeah, Noah, Noah's Ark. Yeah, I'm sorry. Noah's Ark. Okay. We got the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, right, yeah that's, right. that's what um, I thought. Two different arcs. Yeah, like, Noah's yeah. Ark. <laughs> yeah, Noah's Ark. Uh, I mean, Peter in First Peter talks about uh, Noah's family being saved through water. Sure. As a preview of our experience of salvation in Christ and, and the water as a kind of a, uh, a foreshadow of of uh, the water of baptism and when we're united uh, with Christ uh, sure. in, in baptism. Sure. So, yeah, I, I would say it's a type. Uh, now, I'm, I'm also <laughs> very aware that uh, over the history of the church, uh, well, probably preeminently uh, Augustine or Augustine, however we decide to say his name, <laughs> uh, began with Noah's Ark as a type taking the cue from first Peter uh-huh. and, and then went, well, kind of wild yeah. in terms of all the details. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, we need to kind of respect the restraint of scripture and not just let our imaginations go wild. Yeah. Mm. But Augustine's instinct was right. And it was in that to the extent that he was following the lead of the new Testament and specifically Peter. Yeah. Yeah. First um, Peter three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty important to to note because even um, you know Roman Catholics will say that you know a, a type of Mary was the Ark of the Covenant. I don't, I'm pretty sure you've heard that. And just to be yeah, yeah. careful in how we actually use right. um, the Old Testament, um, which which kind of uh, begs me to ask the question, which is really the the premise of your of your book, uh, which is how how can we be sure that we are actually reading our roadmaps correctly in the Old Testament? Well. Uh we need to be humble for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think as we look and, and one of the reasons I wrote the book was I think we have a fair, fairly wide uh, circle of agreement among those who really treasure the Bible mm-hmm. that there are a lot of specific connections that New Testament texts give us to Old Testament events and institutions. Mm. Uh, so Hebrews commenting on on the tabernacle and the temple and the sacrifice and so on. Uh, but some would say, unless we have an, a specific New Testament passage, we'd better not yeah. see any connection with Christ. Yeah. Um, and I think 
that's not helpful because frankly that then leads us to ask okay well then how should i interpret this old testament text Mm -hmm. if i'm not following the lead of the new testament and i think what the lord has given to us in the new testament is uh, enough samples that we can begin to have our hearts and minds attuned to key patterns that are just embedded in scripture and that come to fulfillment in christ so i mentioned prophet priest and king Mm -hmm. Um, prophet's calling preeminent calling was to bring god's word to god's people and and because of that and because the authority of the word it was also especially their office that was accompanied by miracles signs that showed that they were really speaking from god and not Mm -hmm. just out of their own wisdom so miracles and prophetic words um so they're you know they're going to be prophets um uh, like Elijah and Elisha, uh, who are mentioned actually in the Gospels uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, among other things, as ministering to Gentiles, which is a preview of the Messiah being sent to Gentiles, not just to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there, you know, there are other there are miracles that they do that are. Uh, there's not a New Testament commentary specifically, but you know, Elisha multiplies bread. God multiplies bread through Elisha, hmm. and lo and behold, hundreds are are fed. Hmm. Oh, God provides, yeah. you know, and and it's a little bit of an echo of God providing manna earlier in the wilderness. Hmm. Uh, but it's not only that; it's kind of a preview of what God is going to do through Jesus, who hmm. is the final word, the full word of hmm. the Father. Sure. So you know, we begin to think in terms of these biblical patterns, prophets who bring the word of God, priests who offer sacrifice and serve in the presence of God, and and, and then kings who war for God, who fight for God's people and who rule. Um, we do it humbly. We recognize we don't have inspiration from the Holy Spirit the way the New Testament authors did, mm-hmm. um, but we also are trying to follow in their footsteps and and relying on the Holy Spirit to open our hearts. Um, hmm. I, some years ago, this may be off track, but oh well. That's good. Uh, I was I was invited to uh, uh, to a meeting where three of us were presenting how we would come at the well-known account of David's fighting Goliath, First Samuel 17. <laughs> ah. You are not Whoa, David. <laughs> David and Goliath, you know, and uh, what is what is your giant that you want to fight today? Well, not, <laughs> n- no one did that. Yeah. But what the more I studied that, the more I was struck by the words of David to mm. Goliath, to the, to the enemy. You come against me with sword and spear and shield, and I come against you... Now, you would expect David to speak of what weaponry he brings, right? That's exactly what he does. But he doesn't mention his smooth stones and his slingshot. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Uh, I come in the name of the Lord. And I thought, well, if you look at it that way, that sounds kind of familiar. Hmm. It sounds a lot like what the crowd said when Jesus came in on Palm Sunday. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But where did they get those words? Well, from Psalm 118, (laughs) which sort of stands between David's encounter with Goliath and the New Testament. 
blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And earlier, actually, in Psalm 118, the king who's coming into Jerusalem with victory, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, says three times over that his enemies surrounded them, and in the name of the Lord, he cut them off. Hmm. And I thought, you know, that's not just me making stuff up. It's not accidental. Hmm. Yeah. That's you know what we we need to see as we see David and Goliath and and actually I read a, a wonderful little book preaching Christ from the Old Testament by Dr. Sinclair Ferguson mm-hmm. and where he takes everything back basically to Genesis 3:15 The offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And then he begins to say, and there are a bunch of instances of that before we actually get to Jesus. And one of them is David and Goliath. Here's the offspring of the woman, faithful in the line that will lead to Jesus. And Goliath is a representative of the offspring of Satan. Hmm. And um, so I thought, well, if Dr. Ferguson says so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's one of my favorite. uh, I mean, that is just a powerful speech with with David is telling Goliath and and the confidence that he had. I I don't know who said this. And uh, Mm -hmm. if you heard this, he had a five smooth stone, not because he he thought that he was going to miss, but that Goliath had brothers and he had those other stones just in case they wanted to step in. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know where I heard that. uh, And I was like, because you hear a speech, you know, I mean, and and he's telling this to Goliath and he's like, I'm going to chop your head off. You know, and and Goliath's probably just like chuckling like, yeah, right. And and David, just because uh, his uh, uh, trust in God and that God was going to deliver it, and especially all the experience that he was just de- dealing as a shepherd boy with, with with the bears and the lions that are just, you know, in te- I mean, he was just confident and he knew that all that work was because of God right. and not of, yes. not of him, yeah. Yeah. not of right. him at all. And, but right. he knew that God was going to help him out and, and, and prevail. Hmm. Yeah. He had that yes. confidence. Yeah. Uh, right. Who needs Rambo last blood when you got <laughs> David and Goliath? <laughs> Dude, Rambo wouldn't have anything on yeah, David and five suits smooth stone. <laughs> um, well, uh, Doctor Johnson, it, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the program. Um, before we we always end, uh, we know um, you know the subject. Though it is very very important, uh, we know that it is the presentation of the gospel that is the means yes. by which someone uh, is brought to saving faith. And so, therefore, we always uh, allow our guests to share the gospel to whoever is listening on the program. And so, if you would do so, that would, that would be excellent. Oh, I would I would love I would love to do that. Um, Here's the deal. Uh, the gospel starts with bad news. <laughs> yep. uh, we are made. It starts with good, good news. Actually, we of all creation on this earth are made in the image of God, which means we have great dignity and great value. But then there's bad news almost immediately, and that is that just like our ancestor Adam, we have rebelled and turned against God. And uh, because of how great God is as well as because of the dignity he's bestowed on us, that treason is punishable by eternal death. That's what we deserve. We may not feel like it is when we compare ourselves to somebody else, but in the clear light of God's knowledge of the depths of our hearts, that's what we deserve. Hmm. And the amazing thing is that this God whom we offended so terribly has so loved us that he sent his eternal son his beloved son to become our human brother 
to be uh, the Messiah, as we've talked about, uh, and to conquer our sin and death and Satan itself in the most surprising way, because Jesus actually endured the deaths that we deserve. Mm. That's what the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 shows us. If you've never read that chapter, mm. read it. Yes, It's amazing. And he died for us, but death had no right to hold him because he was innocent, utterly innocent. And so it had to let him go as God planned to do. He raised him three days later mm. and Jesus lives and rules now. And uh, he calls us to trust, to surrender, to acknowledge our guilt and our sin, to surrender to his mercy and his grace, which also means to surrender to his lordship. Because mm. mm. he's, you know, and, and, and to entrust ourselves wholly to him. Uh, it's all his grace, it's all his work, and we receive it uh, through humble faith. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I would encourage your listeners, please, please, if you have not done that, trust him. Hmm. Yeah. He's trustworthy. Amen. 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 Well, that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is Dr. Dennis Johnson. Please, please go pick up a copy of his book, Walking with Jesus Through His Word, Discovering Christ in All the Scriptures. If you really enjoyed this conversation today and want more of it, this was kind of a, just to whet your appetite a little bit. So, oh, yeah. But you get more in this book. It has endorsements by Michael Horton and the man, John Frame. Yeah. So you know it's good, yep. and we've been reading it, and, and it's 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 been a... Uh, it's been a great book to read, has, and, uh, yeah. and and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the program. Um, Dr. Johnson, could, do you want to just do a quick plug? Where can they find this book besides Bridge Ministries? Yes. Of course. Uh, where they can find it? Well, it's a, it's carried by Amazon. It's published by PNR, mm -hmm. so you can go to PNR Books, mm -hmm. prpbooks.com. But on, on Amazon, uh, the Westminster Seminary California Bookstore carries it, too. Mm -hmm. Westminster Philadelphia Bookstore. I don't know, probably a bunch of others too, Christian books, I would guess. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, a lot of places. And actually last year, uh, there was an abridgment of Walking with Jesus that is entitled Journeys with Jesus. Every mm -hmm. path in the Bible leads us to Christ. And it's a little less than half as thick as the first one. Okay. Oh, wow. okay. So if you want a lighter version, uh, Journeys with Jesus, Every Path in the Bible Leads Us to Christ. Same publisher and the same places would carry it. All right. Good deal. Well, well, we will put the link in the podcast description so you, that way you guys could pick that up mm -hmm. there. And we should give uh, a free book away for any of our listeners. Uh, it, it, I think it's always... Let's good. do it. Uh, and we do have an international audience, so uh, this is for... Our for everybody, um, for our domestic and our international audience. So, so I guess uh, how how can they win uh, Dr. Johnson's uh, uh, book? So dro drop a review on the uh, on, on any podcast platform that mm -hmm. we're on. Drop a positive review. Email me at julio at bridgemanlaredo.org. That's julio at bridgemanlaredo.org. Send me a uh, a picture mm -hmm. of the of your review. I'll verify it, and then we'll discuss shipping and all that yeah. stuff. But. But anyway, we'll we'll go ahead and do that then. Uh, Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for coming on. We have to have you back again. Yeah. Have to. Well, thank you. Yes. Thanks very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are wrapping it all up. But before we wrap it up, uh, just a couple of another another couple of announcements. Um, if you want to know more about Bridge Ministries, please visit our website at bridgemanlaredo.org. And uh, we just want to ask everybody to please prayerfully consider supporting us on a monthly. Or, uh, or, or one-time donation as it really helps us continue what we do here. Not only Bridge Radio, but as a ministry, our Bible studies, our conferences. It sustains our mission of bringing the Reformation to uh, South America. 
and uh, Mexico, in Mexico. Yes, with uh, just biblical resources. That This is what we do as a ministry. So we just want to uh, ask you that and as well to share the podcast. And uh, we just hope everybody enjoyed it. Please share it. And uh, as always, we end it with one question. We end the program with one question. What is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Later. Later.